welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Well, hi, everybody. I'm uh, Steve from another Steve from Connecticut, uh, Steve G. And as was mentioned, my sobriety date is uh, December 8, 2009. I'm a sexaholic and I'm powerless over lust. And um, it's uh, an honor to be on this meeting. Uh, it's uh, amazing to to hear such a large uh, group in uh, at noon. I used to do a lot of phone meetings uh, earlier in my sobriety, and it's it's nice to be back on one. And you know, when Dennis asked me uh, to share. Um, you know, I, I've got kind of a prepackaged, you know, what it was like then, you know, what happened and what it's like now. And, you know, it's a pretty inspiring story because I was a pretty wrecked person uh, eight years ago, and my life uh, is a miracle. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and that's all because of uh, the program of my higher power. But, you know, my sexologue isn't particularly unique or interesting. Uh, honestly, and I'm really not different uh, from many other people that I've met along this journey whose lives are also miracles. And that's not to say that we don't need miracles for those of you who I, I hear have, you know, one day and two months and and uh, and so on. But, but it sounds uh, like in this group, 2014 and 15 are pretty big years. And... Uh, and what I'd like to share about uh, is sort of what it's been like as somebody with a, a pretty good stretch of seven and a half years of sobriety and, um, and the dangers of complacency and how that's been challenging for me recently because that's uh, at least what's been on my mind uh, of late. And I hope that that will be um, helpful uh, to many of you in, in particularly those people who have a bit of sobriety under their belts. Um, for those of you who don't know me, uh, I identified as a sexual compulsive in about 1997, and I knew that I was about to start uh, crossing boundaries that were really very unacceptable to me personally and morally. And uh, I spent 12 years outside of the rooms working very diligently uh, on sexual sobriety or recovery from compulsivity with some very outstanding sexual addiction therapists, uh, group therapy, um, and others' uh, approaches. And And I had variable periods where I to my bottom lines uh, as I defined them in those days, which were different from the essay sobriety definition. And, uh, and I'd go for periods of three or four years really uh, in pretty good shape as far as I knew that I was in good shape, but 
uh, as the literature teaches us, uh, relapse was inevitable, progressive, and um, more horrible each time. And in uh, 2009, uh, after a really pretty horrendous 12 months of the worst uh, acting out that I'd ever done, it was dangerous to me and my family and uh, very destructive to me as a person. Uh, I found myself uh, at bottom in a hotel room in New Orleans, and I had a hard time looking at myself in the mirror. Um, having been lying to my therapist for a year, lying to my uh, really wonderful group of um, relapse prevention uh, guys uh, who I'd been, you know, in a recovery group with for eight or ten years, many of them, and uh, and uh, lying to my wife who had um, decided to stay with me uh, after I had disclosed my addiction and behaviors to her seven years prior and I had gone ahead and violated all the bottom lines that we had agreed to. Um, so I, I was a pretty broken individual and um, sort of dragged myself originally into a different S group, and, and then I was directed by uh, an angel named Bob to, uh, to SA um, and uh, really from the guys and women in the rooms and my higher power, I've been fortunately sober by the essay definition since that first meeting uh, in December of 2009. Um, so uh, I have a lot to be grateful for. Um, I uh, had the uh, real fortune to uh, be living in Baltimore at the time. I spent 26 years in Baltimore and shout out to a couple of the Marylanders who I heard on the phone. In Baltimore, uh, community is blessed with about uh, 21 SA meetings a week, and um, I did everything I could in those days uh, to get sober. I went to 45 meetings a week. I did the 6.30 Eastern time, a daily sobriety renewal, phone call almost every day. I started working the steps after about a month. I uh, got a sponsor. I actually was privileged to be a sponsor. And uh, it took me about two years to get through the steps. And I believe that I had had spiritual awakening as uh, promised um, and uh, then had the further honor and good fortune to be able to co-chair the Baltimore SAS non uh, convention. It was in, I think, 2013 or so. And, um, and that was just a life changer for me uh, and took my recovery to unbelievable levels. And I had the kind of spiritual experience that I really just uh, had never imagined that I could. In, in those days, um, my life was incredibly better. Um, I was a much nicer person. I was uh, really more um, useful at work. People liked me better. Uh, I was much nicer at home. Um, I uh, found validation in all the right places, uh, through my higher power, through believing in myself, um, and not in looking for uh, fixes and validation from people who were really at best um, online acquaintances or uh, one-night stands. Um, I was in the, really the 
best days of my life, I would say. Uh, my marriage was very good, is very good, was very good. And uh, I was offered a, a leadership position at another institution that required a move from uh, Maryland to Connecticut. And uh, although that's been a dicey decision uh, for me and my wife, because my wife has unfortunately not been as happy with the move, uh, it was a really uh, wonderful opportunity for me where I could be of uh, service uh, work-wise in a much different way. And it's a job that I never, never could have possibly taken on um, in my former life. But, but, you know, the move has had its challenges as well. Um, uh, when I moved to Connecticut, uh, there were about six meetings in the whole state. Uh, the nearest one uh, to where I live, which is outside of New Haven, Connecticut, the nearest one was in Stamford, Connecticut, which is about 50 minutes southwest of here. Um, but I started going to, to that meeting. Uh, it's, a, it's quite a good meeting. Um, and I'd go there once or twice a week. I uh, felt thought that perhaps perhaps uh, part of the mission here was that I'd kind of be a little S.A. Johnny Appleseed up here, and, and perhaps my wife would be a Essendon, uh, Jeanette Appleseed, if you will. Um, so I started two meetings up here uh, in central Connecticut, one of which uh, got legs, and we have a very uh, wonderful uh, group that meets on Tuesday nights. But um, but it, it's hard for me because uh, in Connecticut, I'm one of the more sober people around. I have one of the, uh, I'm, I'm really an old timer with only seven and a half years, and I'm a bit of a convention junkie, and, and I consider myself a newbie pretty much at seven and a half years. And I look to uh, to my gurus and Yodas like Bill Stewart and many others, Dove G in Baltimore, uh, from whom I've uh, learned so much and gotten so much strength from and guidance. And uh, and here, uh, you know, I, I'm thrust into being a bit of a big kahuna, which is not a not a healthy place for me to be. Although I try try to stay out of the ego and um, and just be of service. Uh, in addition, uh, we have uh, not yet found a faith community that we're uh, very happy with, and uh, so um, you know it, it was easy easy for me to uh, to become complacent, which is you know again the theme of my talk today. Which isn't to say that I took anything for granted. I, uh, you know, I, I uh, go to my meeting. I sometimes go down to the Stanford meeting. Uh, I at least have paid lip service to living in the 10th step, 10th and 11th step. But the truth is that my meditation app rings at 2 o'clock every day, and I have a meditation, and I, and I quiet it. So, I, in fact, I would say that I've been living a 10th step light. Um, more than I would like to admit, but that's the truth. Um, and I find that uh, over the past several months, uh, my program is, is not what, uh, what it's been when I said it's best, and I, I've gone into some neighborhoods that don't violate, violate my sobriety per se, but that certainly uh, put my sobriety at risk. And uh, when that first happened, uh, I committed to my sponsor, who was a uh, uh, in um, Bob H. in Detroit, actually, um, who uh, makes Bill F. my grand sponsor. So 
Bob is a sponsee of uh, Bill, and, uh, and I'm a sponsee of Bob. And Bob is also a very wise man. And I committed to uh, revisiting some basic uh, basic step work, uh, which I've uh, done not as diligently as I might, but uh, I was uh, not surprised to find that uh, when I revisited the fourth step, uh, there were resentments that were there. <laughs> what, what a surprise. Although unlike the 75 to 90 that were on my first list, uh, at this point there's only about 16, so perhaps I'm surrendering more things as I go along, uh, as the 10th step would have me do. Uh, but that really wasn't enough either, and, uh, and I found myself with a case of the blankets, not blankets like you put on, but blankets like the letter that I shouldn't be using on a, on a recovery phone call. And uh, in putting my toe back in the water now, when I put my toes in the water eight years ago, uh, before I was in program, that led to my year of debauch. And uh, I know that that could happen again in a heartbeat. I also know that any time I went dip my toe in the water, I found myself uh, feeling emotionally not sober. I, uh, I could conjure up the feelings of being the addiction uh, that I used to feel. And that's not a not a good way to be. And uh, and as nice a person as I've become, uh, I was not quite as nice. Not quite as nice when I allow myself to do that. Not at work and not at home. So um, that's a that's a powerful sobering tale for me. Um, I uh, I came pretty close to uh, I would say to. Uh, throwing away a lot of sobriety, but the, but the good news is the program for me is strong enough at this point that uh, I, I couldn't go that close to the cliff. And as soon as I got somewhat close to the cliff, my higher power pulled me back, and, and the person with whom I corresponded, I realized, you know what, I, whom I actually was trying to 12-step, actually, I was trying to get this person to see that maybe maybe he might benefit from this kind of program of recovery. That was one way of protecting myself. When that person said, you know, I, I don't really want to stop, I realized that, you know what, uh, these are people that I, that I can't really, that's not, that's not the, how I want to be spending my time with people who don't want to stop. I, I really need to be with people who, who want to stop. That's what saved my life. It continues to save my life every day. Uh, that's been a miracle for me. And, and the, the nice news about that was as soon as I heard that comment that I don't think I want to stop, and I, uh, it's like I snapped out of a bubble, snapped out of a bubble, and uh, any crazy thinking that I had, you know, sort of cleared. Uh, I made sure to get down to the Stanford meeting so I could bring this out into the light. Uh, then at the New Haven meeting, where again I'm kind of seen as like the guy with the sobriety, I, I have to be very honest with everybody. You know, yeah, I, I have technical sobriety and I, and I have sobriety most of the time, but I, I've been in some less sober places, um, and uh, that has been very, very scary. The good news is the program works, and I know the work that it works. I've been a big recipient of all of the promises. I know that they come true. I've seen them in me. I've felt them. I've seen them in others. And like I say, the good news is with 
with some good recovery under my belt, I was able to I was able to belay myself up from a kind of a treacherous area near a ditch. Um, so what have I learned from this experience? Uh, I've learned that it's good to be a bozo on the bus. It's bad to be a big kahuna. Never wanted to be a big kahuna. I don't want to be a big kahuna. I want to be one of the guys at the Newark meeting convention in, in, a, in three or four weeks and, and just, just soak it up. I need to stay in the light. Uh, I can't worry about disappointing anybody around me, even in a place that has a pretty young fellowship. Because, you know, the, the bottom line is I'm just another sexaholic, doing what I can to connect with my higher power and work the program. And, uh, and the third thing is that you can't stop working the program. At least I can't stop working the program. I'm very happy to be back revisiting a fourth and a fifth step. Uh, I've um, become pretty aware of how my character defects as much as my higher power can take them, uh, can get them out of the way. You know, it's like a, it's like a door on a spring hinge, you know, that you don't have that force pulling out, pulling it the other way. The, the, the uh, character defects can come back in and they can, uh, and they can influence my life. And my life is better when I let go of them. I, I, I don't want to be there anymore. So, um, it's good to be able to say that, uh, that I'm just, uh, I'm just Steve G. I'm just a sexaholic. I learned from Bill Stewart that, uh, that I can call myself a recovered sexaholic when I'm working the program. I think it's important that people do that, and that's what the big book teaches us. Right now, I'm a recovering sexaholic again, and, and that's okay. Uh, because I know if I work the steps, recovery, higher power are, are always available to me, right, right on my right shoulder and my left shoulder. All I have to do is reach out I know this from a personal experience I had following the convention. I developed a very personal relationship that I didn't think a nice Jewish boy could have. Um, so I've got nothing to be, nothing but to be grateful for. And um, like I say, all I have to do, uh, you know, all I stand to do if I don't keep that up is, is give away some tremendous gifts. And, uh, and I don't want to go there. So I greatly appreciate the ability to tell myself in public and be a little bit of a cautionary tale, but I don't want to be negative about it because, like I say, for you guys who are just getting your sobriety, really, being in recovery is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me, and it continues to be the greatest thing that ever happens to me. And, you know, for those of you who slip here and there, you know, just get back on the, get back on the horse and keep riding because it's, it's a beautiful road that we trudge, and, uh, and I've got a lot to be grateful for. So. That's all I got, and I thank you all for listening, and thank you for inviting me to speak. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.